now. This is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Derek Tyson and Willem van Dendren, a podcast spun off from our main show because, well, every week over 350-plus episodes, we get to the end of the show and start talking about all the things we didn't discuss. This show highlights all the teams, the moments of the week and plenty more. Derek, uh, we've got a big lineup, Um and uh, as usual, we, uh, we tend to, to start off with... Uh, the team of the week, um, you, you did have a sort of a nominal nomination for, I don't think they are legitimately your team of the week, but it was the first time you've ever seen uh, um, your A-League club play in real life. Yes, well, this is the game of the week, Rob, but yes, it was um, uh, Western United, my nominal A-League team. And yes, as we spoke about on the last podcast, uh, uh, we went on Friday night to see their defeat to uh, Melbourne City, they pulled a goal back at the end there, make it interesting, but City were able to uh, to hold out and, and, and get the points on the board. And yeah, look, tongue in cheek, it was the game of the week because literally, you know, it's the first time I've been to a live football match for some time. Uh, but obviously, as you can tell, Rob, I am um, looking forward to talking about another game that caught my attention. But before we do, there was also something else that you witnessed for the very first time um, in in real life at a football game, um, and COVID had a little bit to do with this. And that was uh, was the the way that VAR can suck the energy out of a stadium. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, a VAR. Anyone who listens to this show and knows that again, I'm a curmudgeon and I'm not a big fan of uh, VAR. And actually seeing it live in action for the first time, where uh, Melbourne City thought they had uh, scored a goal and uh, then it was ruled out for a foul in the uh, the build-up to play. And uh, yeah, I just um, I just feel like it, for the flow of the game, for the fan going experience, it, it, it doesn't make, uh, make a lot of sense. I was listening to the Manchester United-Everton game this morning and they did a live crossover to Goodison Park where they announced that Manchester United had gone 3-1 up only to cut back two minutes later to announce that in fact the score was just 2-1. Absolutely fast score, Rob. Willem, you were there as well. Uh, you've seen it happen a few times. Uh, uh, have you changed your view at all on VAR or is strong as ever? No, I've never changed my view at any point. I was saying this as I, as I uh, sat next to Derek. You said, you watch. It's not the type of thing where there's been... Uh, disappointment but little bits of progress along the road that we feel like we're building towards a sort of uh, utopia where we nail this every time it's the exact same mm-hmm. teething issues that we had three and a half years ago when we started this so no I've never had never had much time for it and I don't think we're getting towards a point where uh, where it's worthwhile keeping in so I'd be more than happy to see it gone and just uh, have a little bit of faith in the referees uh, but then there also needs to be an improvement in general discourse around the referees you know people are going to make mm-hmm. mistakes so it's that sort of pursuit of uh, perfection that you cannot have in live sport. Exactly. I'm going to bookend the show with a, a comment on VAR, but um, I'll just leave you um, hanging for that one. But Derek, your genuine game of the week, uh, um, as I said uh, in the uh, in the main show, box to box, I was surprised that that Edge took the week off. Um, he um, look, he hasn't missed me anyway. I mean, he he will always find a way to uh, to remind me. But um, he, I'm sure we would have liked an audience uh, far bigger than that which is on our WhatsApp chat to, to pay out. Yeah, he was revving it up uh, before the game, that's for sure. And as you know, Rob, I tend to 
go very circumspect because I know football is a funny old game and form means nothing. But yes, you won't be surprised to hear that my real game of the week is Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2. Probably inevitably that... uh, um, uh, that, that this was going to be it because this is the highest scoring fixture in Premier League history. I certainly remember some high scoring ding donging battles. Who would forget the uh, four all Arnfield with the Arshavin uh, four goals there with the Martin Tyler commentary? Uh, absolutely classic. And, and this game didn't disappoint either, Rob. Uh, it was, uh, you know, back and forth. Um, Liverpool managed to find their way back into the game twice, but, uh, despite not looking particularly at the races as they've uh, been for most of the season and Arsenal found a way to uh, win the game. I thought uh, Martinelli for Arsenal was absolutely fantastic player of the match for me, not just because he put Arsenal ahead after 58 seconds, but uh, set up the second. He just tore Liverpool to shreds down that side. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold came off with an injury, but I think uh, there was more than just some bruised pride there as Time and again, Martinelli uh, was putting uh, his defending under the microscope, but it was a penalty and a contested penalty in the end uh, that Arsenal scored in order to win the game with 14 minutes remaining. Uh, Saka putting it away pretty coolly from the spot. And I think the overall consensus, and not even with my Arsenal blinkers on, was that uh, Arsenal did deserve to win this game. Derek, if I can jump in with a question for you. How does this feel as an Arsenal fan? There's a big beast in the Premier League, Manchester City. They've been there, they've won it time and again, and they'll most likely win this one again. But Arsenal are still top of the table, ticking off little milestones. You said, you know, we're first after the first couple of weeks. Oh, we're first at the international break. When was the last time that happened? Uh, and now nine games in. Uh, not suggesting that you're going to win it, but... You know, you found a way in a game like this to to win, whereas in previous years that wouldn't have been the case. So uh, does this feel like progress that could build into the league this season or is from here still a little bit of a bonus in terms of the build uh, for where you'd like to be maybe next season, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And, And as the weeks roll by, it is becoming harder and harder for me to be entrenched in this position of, you know, as long as we can qualify for the Champions League, that that's got to still be the goal. And as you mentioned, there is this juggernaut called Manchester City with this Terminator up front uh, and his 20 goals so far this season, uh, which is just uh, unbelievable. I think for Arsenal, it's obviously been the magic start. And look, to be honest with you, we probably should have won at Old Trafford as well. A lot of people came away from that game thinking that Arsenal were the better side. I think if I'm being really super hypercritical on it, even though Arsenal have won their last two games, which were seen as acid tests, the uh, games against Spurs and Liverpool, I would point out that we've had the benefit of being at home. We haven't gone to Stamford Bridge. We haven't gone to the Etihad. Uh, We haven't gone to the graveyard for us, which has been White Hart Lane in recent years. Those trips are still to come. Uh, We can only really do what uh, we, you know, beat the teams that are put in front of us. The next game is going to be Leeds away. On paper last season, that would have looked like a tricky fixture. We've got to go into that full of confidence that we're favourites for that game. Leeds haven't had a good start to the season. Um, And I just think, you know, the bigger story maybe from this is where does this leave Liverpool season, Rob? I know that you said in the podcast that, uh, you know, you can put the queue in the rack for the the rest of the season. There is still 75% still left to go. I have a sneaky suspicion that Klopp will get it right eventually and Liverpool will start accumulating points. But, um, you know, nine games in, where where does this leave the season, Rob? Well, it does 
sort of feel like a bridge too far, doesn't it? I mean, uh, you, you're only nine games in, and uh, and and there are uh, admittedly they've got a, a game in hand, and and if uh, if you give them those three points, then they're sitting fifth on the ladder as it currently stands. So that's not you know entirely out of the equation. I mentioned last week when uh, we were talking about it that uh, I'd. Uh, Expected Darwin Nunez would uh, would eventually find some form, and he did. It was a, a lovely, well taken goal. And um, and from the positive point of view, you, you, you say, well, Liverpool out of form, uh, turn up to the uh, the ladder leaders, uh, take them on, uh, could have won, and uh, and left uh, uh, grumbling about a VAR ruling that uh, that didn't at least uh, give them uh, give them a point. If that point had have landed in Liverpool's lap, then things might have changed. I just don't get a sense that um, that this season uh, post Sadio Mane is uh, is one where uh, the, um, the 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 side has has melded together as well as Jurgen Klopp would have expected it to. So if uh, if Liverpool knuckle down and uh, and just consolidate uh, a drive home to the back end of the season and, and Champions League football, I think. That's probably the goal, and then uh, and then um, if uh, uh, they can somehow put together uh, a decent run of form in the Champions League itself, then there might still be some silverware. So um, yeah, I, I don't expect them to uh, to contend. Uh, you know, in in let's say in the fair income department for the uh, the um, the Premiership uh, this season. One final word on Saka before before we move on. He obviously scored uh, the uh, opening goal and the winning penalty as well. Um, but you know, I just want to give this young man some credit. He's still an extremely raw player uh, for for his age. The man is only twenty one years old. He's already done quite a lot in his short career already. That he was one of the penalty takers that missed at Wembley famously for. England against uh, Italy, uh, you would have thought that, you know, he wouldn't want to look at a penalty spot ever again. Uh, Dennis Burkamp famously missed a penalty in 1999 against Manchester United in the FA Cup semi-final where Giggs famously scored that end-to-end goal that, that is immortalised in English football and he never took a penalty again. But this young man d- just steps up, takes pressure penalties. That was a good penalty against Liverpool. I'd felt the tension when he was when he was lining it up, but cool as you like. So just a little bit of respect towards uh, Saka, Willem. No, absolutely no. He's a fantastic young player, Derek. And there's been talk that he's leaving. He looks very much like a, uh, in, in times gone by, I should say, uh, he looks very much like an Arsenal player to me. And as they hopefully put themselves in the window to contend long term, uh, hopefully that stays the case. My game of the week has to be Melbourne victory against Sydney FC. Uh, A-League round one can serve up the odd fizzer, but despite the rain, uh, this was absolutely brilliant. Sydney really were very good uh, for long stretches. Uh, I thought the new signings, Lolly and Mack, showing that uh, they're, they're happy to play some long balls and happy to switch across and play uh, play each other in despite being on uh, the opposite sides of the uh, the, the wings. Uh, Nanny didn't do a massive amount, but when he did uh, drift in and contribute, uh, a couple of very telling uh, touches, a couple of assists there. Uh, the new stadium as well, Rob, good atmosphere. That'll hopefully only build uh, as Sydney FC fans get into the, uh, get into the rhythm uh, of going back to that stadium every second week. Travelling contingent was really good, 1,500 victory fans or something of the like there. Uh, and if I could indulge, the fact that I am a victory fan. Nice little bit of symmetry there. In the last game at the old SFS uh, was Terry Antonis, former Sydney FC mm-hmm. player, mm-hmm. who scored for the victory to make it 3-2. Uh, and in the first game at the new SFS, it was Josh Bellante, former Sydney FC player, scoring for the victory to make it 3-2. Derek, your team of the week, uh, you're going to stray to the continent. Yeah, I am. Uh, as my, Good to my word that I want there to be a range of 
teams and leagues reflected on this show. I was tempted by the Lionesses, England women after their 2-1 win over the USA in front of 72,000 at Wembley. That was a great result for them. I even thought about Preston North End, uh, who managed to score three goals in a win over Norwich City. And I was telling anyone that would listen at the football on Friday that Preston North End had only scored four goals all season uh, from 12 games and was sitting in mid-table in the championship. So they're starting to turn that stat around. But I have gone for Napoli. Uh, Napoli, uh, who are top of Serie A at the moment, um, they started off the week by smashing Ajax 6 one uh, could have been the game of the week itself. Napoli were superb in this game that already accounted for Liverpool 4-1. So their goal difference in this uh, Champions League group is absolutely uh, sensational. And the work that Spalletti is doing with that team, particularly losing the core of his side, including Insigne, went off to MLS. Dries Mertens, one of the talisman of that team. And of course, Koulibaly, who is applying his trade in the Premier League with Chelsea, uh, Napoli uh, on a roll in the Champions League, and then the winning away uh, at Cremonese in Serie A, two goals in added time. Uh, so that's been a great week for Napoli, a 10-2 uh, aggregate for two games, if you don't mind. And according to James Horncastle, the uh, note uh, the, the uh, highly noted uh, Italian football expert he thinks that Napoli are not only the best team in Italy at the moment but he thinks they're possibly the best team in Europe as well I'm sure Manchester City would have something to say about that but Napoli uh, probably not on the top of everyone's mind in Serie A this season we were probably were thinking about AC Milan Inter having another run but Napoli looking absolutely superb in Serie A Rob yeah they are and uh, and this one thing's for sure when uh, when Napoli are up and about uh, the uh, the city are is uh, a really enjoyable competition to watch because they are of all of the uh, the clubs in in that competition uh, one of the the least liked uh, um, up and down the the boot uh, Willem have you got a, a nomination for uh, team of the week I certainly do. I'm going to stay on the continent with Borussia Mönchengladbach, the club where Matt Leckie uh, first cut his teeth abroad when he left the A-League. Now, last week, they travelled to Werder Bremen and they copped a 5-1 pasting. Uh, and I should add that these days, they are under former Norwich man Daniel Fark. Uh, they have this week turned it around and they've defeated Köln uh, 5-2. So that's a fair old turnaround. They are up to sixth. This Bundesliga, Derek, uh, this this season really has been the biggest party. Uh, Union Berlin uh, remain first. They've had another win, so they're on 20 points from nine games. Freiburg remain in second with 18 points from nine games. Then it's the established order of Bayern and Dortmund who split the points on the weekend. And then Werder Bremen and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. So some good variety in the Bundesliga this season. Yeah, good to see. I, I nearly was going to mention the uh, Bayern Borussia Dortmund game and uh, a very, very late winner there in front of the uh, yellow wall. Uh, the, the noise sounded absolutely deafening, Willem. So yeah, I, th- I think out of all the leagues this season, it would be uh, remiss of us not to keep an eye on uh, Bundesliga. For some reason, Bayern just don't seem to be quite clicking in that tournament. And as you've said, there are a ho- host of doughty uh, upstart teams that are, are certainly uh, putting the cat amongst the pigeons in that league. 
Well, I'm going to uh, just throw up a nomination for for a home side, which is uh, Melbourne Victory uh, beating Sydney in that uh, rain at uh, at the the new Sydney Football Stadium. As uh, we've already discussed, uh, they uh, they bookended the old stadium and the, and the new stadium with wins over Sydney FC by exactly the, the same score. Nineties um, across was uh, absolutely threaded the needle, as Simon Hill said, uh, and uh, and and the, just the the way that they they kept on bouncing back. I mean, Robert. May scored that early goal 15 minutes in for Sydney. Uh, uh, Nick D'Agostino uh, with uh, about 15 minutes to go till half-time. Uh, so at that point, you know, one all, you, you felt the, the game was really set up for a, a, a grandstand finish and uh, and, and, it, uh, and it proved to be you know, Chris Economides uh, still trying to, to get that uh, one of those last few spots in Graham Arnold's World Cup squad. Uh, it was a brilliant finish uh, 67 minutes in and then uh, and then James Donachie uh, scores with 11 to go and you sort of feel like it, it definitely could go either way, and then of all people, who was it? Willem Josh Brillante, uh, uh, who uh, who won uh, titles with Sydney FC. Who uh, well, he didn't uh, go with the um, the, the subtle um, celebration, did he? No, he didn't. No, he was off. He was off. Uh, Derek, have we got time for the uh, the moment of the week? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Mine has to be the tears of the North Mariana Islands under-17 coach, Michitiro Mita. Uh, he's told the, leave, the world to leave his boys alone after their heavy losses uh, at the under-17 Asian Cup qualifiers. Uh, they've got the population of just 57,000. Uh, they went down 23-0 to Australia, 11-0 to China, uh, and 4-0 to Cambodia. After that second match, yeah, he was in tears in the presser. He said that his players had seen... Uh, the Facebook abuse that they'd been receiving. Uh, people are saying that they shouldn't be there, that they're no good, pack it up, cop that. Uh, but he said in the nation, and he's, he's Japanese, Michijiro Mita, so he's a foreigner uh, in the North Mariana Islands. He says that they're using football to develop the community. They're giving young people something to aspire to and that the national team really is a huge, uh, yeah, a, a source of aspiration for, for young people in the community. So uh, well done to Michijiro for, uh, for standing up for his side and his nation. Uh, who really have been copying it on the score sheet. Tell you who, who I'm not going to stand up for while I'm in my moment of the week, and that is the Brentford Brentford defending, particularly the goalkeeper, Raya. It is rant time from me. I bring this one this one out time and time again. And while I'm no coach and no real expert on the tactics of the game, it just gets so frustrating when I see uh, defenders trying to pass their way out to a team which is pressing extremely high, nipping at their heels, and uh, then giving the ball away and scoring. And of course, this adora, this happened on multiple occasions in Newcastle's crushing win over Brentford. Newcastle were already 1-0 up when Raya managed to pass the ball straight to Callum Wilson, the, uh, the informed striker at Newcastle who gleefully played it across to Murphy uh, to score uh, a pretty much a guaranteed goal for, for Newcastle. And look, I think it was Einstein who said if you do the same thing time and time again and expect a different result. That is the definition of madness. And yes, Brentford were their own worst enemies again with Pinnock this time uh, trying a very ambitious pass back to Raya as they try to be cute around their own penalty area and Almiron burst through and slammed it home. So I'm not going to be uh, apologetic for having to bring this up time and time again. I'm not a football dinosaur that just believes you need to hoof it upfield, Allardyce style or Tony Pulis style. But for goodness sake, gentlemen, if uh, there's any danger and you've already made the same mistake once, just get rid of it. Let's bring it home with the hot topic of the week. And I did say I was going to bookend uh, the, the show with some VAR controversy. And, and I was tempted to come off the leash when, Derek, you were uh, quite rightfully raxing lyrical about Arsenal. But 
that um, penalty, the, the frustration that you expressed about Brentford is equally expressed with the, the, the referees and in particular VAR, where Michael Oliver gave the spot kick VAR had every opportunity f to ask him to review it on the pitch side monitor. There were plenty of replays showing minimal contact. Now, okay, people would say it's sour grapes from a Liverpool supporter, but but what's the point of having it if there is evidence there to at least review? Um, and then ultimately, it can change the dynamic of an entire season. Yeah, so I did have some sympathy uh, with with that one, Roberto. And uh, yeah, I just think it's about consistency. And uh, again, I wish Edge was here because I know he is very staunchly pro VAR. So we would be able to have a more balanced argument. I think we're all just going to get give it a shoeing. But it is it is simply consistency. Uh, someone at the football said to me on Friday, but is it, it you know isn't the argument that it's getting more decisions right? Well, it, it's not. It's just passing the buck onto other people who can then interpret something uh, very differently to someone on field. And also there is um, inconsistency about when it's used, as you said. Uh, so, yeah, look, I just think it's another case of I can see why Liverpool fans are frustrated because it was right there for, for the review. And even if the... Uh, the VAR had said, look, I'm not seeing compelling evidence for you to overturn your on-field decision, as you would see in cricket. You know, Liverpool fans might accept that and say, well, at least they took a look. At least they had mm. a think about it. But it's mm. the fact that they didn't have a think about it. It was one of those 50-50 penalties. As an Arsenal fan, you think, yeah, that's a penalty. As a Liverpool fan, no, you don't. Michael Oliver's got a tough decision to decide on the field and uh if it was decision was made just by him you would be sympathetic but given the technology was there and they didn't use it look i'm just going to be very interested to see how it plays out in the world cup on the biggest stage of all surely we're going to see some some absolute bloopers uh over the course of things at qatar rob that said um i, I do recall back in russia william william you were over there uh that it did seem to work pretty well um they were very dis definitive um back over there in russia so if they use that template um, then hopefully it won't be uh, as controversial as it currently is. Okay, so um, you have got um, a uh, well, a little uh, humour to, to bring it home there, Derek, for your for your hot topic of the week. Gareth Bale uh, manages to sneak into the rundown. Yeah, he does, and yeah, you can't say that we don't bring the big topics, the big issues onto this show, but the story that caught my attention this week was the fact that Gareth Bale has launched his own brand of beer, the so-called Bale Ale, which is going to be hitting Welsh shells uh, during uh, the World Cup. Uh, this is going to be the brainchild of Glamorgan Brewing Co. Um, as well as clenching people's thirst, it's gonna also going to raise money for grassroots football. And even though the irony being that Bale is uh, teetotal, doesn't like the taste of alcohol, he's getting on board with the, the Bale Ale because it's going to fuel plenty of Welsh passion in the valleys uh, and in the streets of Cardiff and Llanethany and everywhere else. And at one dollar, one pound 70 a bottle or 22 pounds for a 12 pack of cans uh it's certainly going to be a lot of people drinking uh this bale ale and i gentlemen i thought i would just try and think of some of uh, other endorsements from the world cup or otherwise and i think norway are going to the world world cup but you could have martin Odegaard, uh, a brand of deodorant or antiperspirant uh we've got neil 
Mope. I've said this on the show before. I don't know if he's going to play for France, but this is the uh, uh, payday loan app, Neil Mope. Uh, I was also thinking about uh, Xhaka Granite uh, from the construction industry, um, Saliba Tequila in honor of William Saliba's tequila song, and uh, to combine two for West Ham, uh, who can say any more than a packet of rice? Very good, very good indeed. Derek, Algeria aren't going to be there, uh, and I'm not sure how well the, uh, just like Gareth Bale doesn't drink, I'm not sure how well the uh, the, the pork uh, would go in uh, Algeria, but maybe some Islan Slimani Salami. <laughs> yes, I don't think it will go down well. It doesn't it doesn't sound halal sure uh, well. to me. But um but yeah, maybe it can be available in other territories. But no, good good chat. Well, if anyone else listening wants to throw something up on Twitter, let us know your uh, football endorsement ideas. All right, gentlemen, um, I think that's about a wrap for uh, us again this week. Thank you again for listening to Box to Box Stoppage Time. Please subscribe to Stoppage time, offside, box to box the main show. Wherever you get your podcast, tweet us at box to box NTS and follow us on Twitter. And make sure you like us on Facebook as well. And join us throughout the week as our podcasts drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.